Welcome to the Corbett Report on the Republic Broadcasting Network. Today is May 30th here in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I am Holland Vandenornoff. I am filling in for James Corbett, who was taking a sabbatical this month. I believe uh, this may be my last. Yes, this is my last guest hosting this month while James is on sabbatical. So this is my last chance to talk to the audience here at the Corbett Report. And... Uh, I'd like to uh, be able to talk about my own work in that case because this is my last chance to be able to talk to you people on this venue. But my name is Holland Vandenurnoff. I'm the writer and producer for the recently released documentary, A Noble Lie, which you can check out at noblelie.com. And uh, tonight is an open topic night. I'll be discussing some of the newest revelations that I have uncovered in the Oklahoma City bombing. But I really want this to be an open topic night, and I invite audience participation. Last week, we had a really good uh, setup and a really good uh, lineup of uh, call-in guests who had to express their opinion. And that was a, that was a fun show. I love to handle, I love to deal with uh, callers because, uh, you know, I've done a lot of radio these past couple months promoting the show. And frankly, I'm, I'm tired of reading from the script. I like to go off kilter and uh, be able to talk about things that are that pop into the horizon out of the blue. Whatever concerns the audience and is listening, please call in. The number is 1-800-313-9443. I repeat, 1-800-313-9443. But for now, uh, as you know, my name is Holland, and I have been uh, promoting and working on the Oakland City Bombing for a number of years now. Our movie is called A Noble Lie which you can check out the trailer at anoblelie.com. And uh, we're actually going to be releasing the movie for free pretty soon. Uh, we've paid off all the debts, and uh, we've made good gains, and uh, have enough uh, uh, funds put together for the next project. So we're actually going to be releasing a, a free version of A Noble Eye, Oklahoma City 1995, on YouTube in the very near future, probably next week or two. And uh, so you'll be able to check it out yourself if you cannot or will not make the... Uh, the, the payment for a DVD in the mail. You'll be able to watch it for free, a low-quality version, mind you. And if you still want to purchase the high-quality version, of course, you can come on our website and purchase the high-quality version, which are now obviously uh, selling at a uh, reduced rate now, now that we're basically giving it to the world and seeing how viral it can go. So when we do release the movie in Obelai, I ask you to spread it far and wide as much as you can. I really want to see how uh, far this movie can really go in the infosphere on the free Internet. See how people want to, how many people really want to see the story. And I think it's going to be a vast audience, so I appreciate 
everyone's uh, efforts in that and helping us to spread the word on a noble lie. And honestly, you know, I keep on trying, trying to turn away from the Oklahoma City bombing, but it keeps on coming back. And here in Oklahoma City, where I'm based, where Free Mind Films is based, we actually had an opportunity to engage some of the new uh, evidence that's coming out about the bombing when author Andrew Gumbel, the author of the recent released book, Oklahoma City, uh, What the Investigation Missed, Why It Still Matters, we'll get into that on the other side of this break. You're listening to The Corbett Report. Please stay tuned and please call in 1-800-313-9443. I'll see you on the other side. Network. I am not James Corbett. Mr. Corbett is on sabbatical. I'd like to thank him for allowing me the opportunity to speak to his audience uh, every Wednesday of this month. This is, I believe, my last appearance this month on his show as a guest host. So I'm going to take this opportunity as a producer and writer for A Noble Lie to talk about the Oklahoma City bombing because this is my last chance to. So if anyone actually has any questions or any topics you want to bring up, please call in. The number is 1-800-313-9443. I repeat, 1-800-313-9443, and that is Republic Broadcasting Network. Now, we released A Noble Lie, Oklahoma City, 1995, which is the first full-length documentary to examine the Oklahoma City bombing in the light of new and suppressed evidence that exposes the official story to be false. We released that movie in December of last year to a very wide acclaim. And I am going to uh, polish my own um, laurels here, I suppose, to let people know that there is an audience for this information. That is, that is what has convinced me more than anything, this journey we've un- undergone. Two years of production and the six months since release and promotion. And that there's an audience for real truth and justice. And that is good to hear and that is good to know. And Noble Eye has garnered Best Historical Documentary at the uh, Bare Bones Film Festival, and we're due next to appear in the San Antonio Film Festival. And just recently, we made, uh, I suppose, the headlines, the front page story in the local infotainment weekly here in Oklahoma City called the Oklahoma City Gazette. And you can check that out at okcgazette.com. The article on the movie, they're finally uh, at last starting to acknowledge our efforts here in the mainstream media to the limited extent that they are able. But uh, on that, a couple of weeks ago, one of the authors of the recently released book on Oklahoma City, and it was very timely for our movie, and now a book is coming out for this anniversary that uh, 
uh, we had nothing to do with. Uh, I am I am familiar and have corresponded and have worked with one of the authors, uh, but the uh, author who's taking most of the credit, Andrew Gumbel, of this book, which is called Oklahoma City: What the Investigation Missed and Why It Still Matters. This book is uh, receiving critical acclaim, and uh, Andrew Gumbel was on a book tour and he passed through Oklahoma City a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I had some questions for Mr. Andrew Gumbel. I wanted to ask him. I had read his book within a couple of days. And for myself, obviously, I have been enmeshed hip deep in Oklahoma City knowledge, information, and lore and investigation for a number of years now, uh, over half a decade. So reading his material was refreshing to me to see a journalistic mainstream approach to some of this anomalous evidence but also disappointing to see how some of this evidence was treated in the mainstream lens. So uh, at Full Circle Bookstore here in Oklahoma City, where Andrew Gumbel was making his appearance, uh, I decided to show up and ask him some questions. And uh, Chris Emery, the narrator in the film, also showed up. Joe Cooley, a very good friend of ours, an investigator in our efforts, also showed up. And as did uh, Janie Coverdale, whom we interview in the movie. She came of her own accord. And uh, she was interviewed because she had lost two of her children in the daycare center in the Murrah building. And she has questions. She's had questions since day one that have not been answered by this government about the Oklahoma City bombing April 19, 1995. Also making an appearance was uh, Colonel George Wallace of the Oklahoma Bombing Investigation Committee, the independent investigative body that, in the lieu of official government inquiry, into all of this evidence, the OKBIC took up the mantle, took up the demand of the public who was demanding a real investigation and conducted their own investigation of the Oklahoma City bombing uh, in 1995. And uh, it was chaired by Oklahoma City, actually Oklahoma State Representative Charles Key, also interviewed in the movie. V.Z. Lawton, a survivor of the bombing, lost dozens of his friends, was a mere couple of feet away from where the floor dropped off in his office. Spared from death by mere chance, or perhaps not. He is convinced that God has kept him alive to pursue the truth in this case, and I cannot doubt that claim. And um, they chaired the Oklahoma, and they actually ran the Oklahoma Bombing Investigation Committee along with Dale Phillips, a local pillar of the community who provided a lot of support. And they issued their final report on the bombing a mere three weeks before 9 11 in 2001. And of course, their story was. Um, scrubbed or forgotten in the trauma that was inflicted on the nation with 9-11. But it, had, but it had been the position and the statement of Charles Key and others that unless we paid attention to the lessons of Oklahoma City, the consequences would only increase and get worse. And that um, informed prophecy definitely came true and definitely actually also scrubbed the lessons of Oklahoma City from the public mind because now they were scared of 9-11 and prone to whatever authority was going to tell them was the ultimate truth and who to lash out at. Which stranger, which outsider did we need to lash out at in response to 9-11? These are psychological Responses to trauma that have been well tested, beta tested, proven time and time again, and it is time that we, the people, 
now that we have access to this information, because in the old days, we didn't have access to this information. It was controlled by the publishing houses. It was controlled by the mainstream media. It was controlled by Operation Mockingbird and by Tavistock. It was controlled by the foundations that provide and guarantee who's going to have a future in academia, that these only certain versions of these stories would see the light. But now we are in a new paradigm, a new info information paradigm. We can access any piece of information we want directly, and we don't have to wait for orthodoxy to approve of it. It appears we have a caller, Dave from New York. I thank you for calling, Dave. Do you have a question or comment? Go ahead. Yes, Holland, since you have looked into the Oklahoma City matter, I wondered if any one of your contacts had any information concerning what the Oklahoma City Murrah building might have contained that those who destroyed it wanted it wanted destroyed. Um, a mentor of mine who is, is deceased, who died in 2010, said to me uh, that there were some things in that building that certain people did not want to come to public attention ever. And I wondered if any of your contacts had come up with anything similar. Uh, there was also, of course, reason to believe that uh, there were things not only in the Twin Towers but in Building 7 uh, that certain powers that be did not want to come to public attention. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it to you to answer me and go back to listening on the air, all right? Well, thank you, Dave. I will answer that question. That's a very good question. What was in the Murrah building that necess necessitated its destruction? Well, <clears throat> I don't know why the Murrah building was selected. Perhaps it was because of the low security. Perhaps because it was the daycare center in the building. But we, what we do know to be a fact is that there were documents from the Whitewater investigation inside the Murrah building. And we show this in Noble Eye. We interview uh, police officer Craig Roberts, who describes the fact that within a day of the bombing, that the FBI and the ATF had pulled up a Ryder truck to the Murrah building to haul out documents. That the day of the bombing, we interview um, police officer uh, Don Browning, who was held back at gunpoint by U.S. Marshals and told by an FBI agent that no further rescue would occur until the, until the government had recovered certain documents that, quote, were so important that until they were recovered, no rescue would be performed. V.Z. Lawton, who is a survivor, relates the story of watching FBI agents spending the day picking up paper outside the Murrah building. Survivors talk about the fact that FBI agents were stepping over wounded to pick up pieces of paper, leaving human beings in their suffering behind as they collected paper. We talked to Craig Roberts. We interviewed him in the movie Noble Lie. He talked about the fact that he was actually retained by the FBI to assist in the investigation. He was out of the Tulsa uh, Police Department as an investigator. And he was receiving calls from federal agents in Little Rock, Arkansas, that once the Clintons left Little Rock to assume the presidency in D.C., that all of the investigative records related to the Whitewater investigation and the investigation into the drug running ring out of Mena, Arkansas, 
that was supporting Iran-Contra while Bill Clinton was president, all of those records had been moved to the Murrah building. Apparently, there is an obscure federal law that a president under indictment, that the records related to those indictments cannot be held in the same federal district in which he came from. I guess it's to protect the integrity of the documents until that until they're moved into another location and that building blows up, I suppose. But it's also an interesting fact that two days before the Oklahoma City bombing, Hillary Clinton was in, was indicted on two felonies related to Whitewater that were later downgraded because of the lack of documentation to support them. You're listening to the Corporate Report. Thank you, Dave, for that question. We're going to be right back on the other side. Welcome back to the Corbett Report on the Republic Broadcasting Network. I am not James Corbett. I am Holland Van de Nuenhoff. I am guest hosting at the invitation of James Corbett, for which I thank him for this opportunity. I am the writer and producer for the recently released documentary, A Noble Lie, Oklahoma City, 1995. I'm talking about the bombing on this last show that I have to talk to James's audience, because I think it needs a lot of attention. And I'm taking calls also, so please call in 1-800-313-9443. I repeat, 1-800-313-9443. We have another caller on the line, Chris from Las Vegas. Las Vegas, Nevada, Chris. Do you have a question, comment, or topic you'd like to discuss? I do, I do, Holland. I thank you for taking my call, and I even more, I thank you for doing this movie or video, I think it's wonderful, and the Thank fact you. that you're going to put it on the internet for people to be able to view for free, to view the quality product, is more waking up of America of what has really taken place in their country they thought they knew. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chris. Um, like I said, we will be releasing for free pretty soon. Um, I haven't got the, the 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 green light on that, but uh, we already have it ready to, ready to go. We want to see how far how viral this can go. So, uh, uh, what else do you have, Chris? Well, to the point of the previous caller's question as to why that particular building, I have observed that those in the psyops world of black ops, false flags, agents provocateur, and egregious public acts that are heinously performed to manipulate public opinion exactly frequently have a duplicitous cause or a multi-pronged cause for doing what they do and i had not been aware of the facilities stowage for documents that may have been sensitive to the clintons and other governmental officios mm -hmm. and investigations 
but I have always believed that the true motivation was that of a political swing of the people's spirit being dramatically affected by Ruby Ridge, Waco, and the Montana Freemen, and perhaps a couple of other... Oh, I, I totally agree, yeah. Chris. I, I, I want you to continue. I just want to interject here. Um, I totally agree. Um, these deep state um, events, when they occur, I'm not saying that the documents inside the murder building were the primary reason, but they these these events are expensive to um, to pull off, to cover up, and they really try to wrap up as many eggs in one basket as they can. So I'm not saying that's a primary motive, but that was definitely a, a, a benefit that they sought from the event that was going to occur regardless for this deeper agenda, which you are, which you are referring to. But, but please go ahead. Well, I absolutely concur with you. I wasn't taking exception with your allegation, merely adding a little extra light onto it and connectivity. Mm-hmm. And what I understand, I am from Oklahoma City. My father had a shop blocks away from the Murrah Federal Building. Oh, wow. And uh, I, I have been connected to that event like I was there ever since it happened, although I was not anywhere near there. But I was tuned into the programs. I observed the revelations of other explosive devices inside the facility with military markings. I've mm-hmm. seen other uh, productions perhaps of years since then. And it is undoubtedly, in, unquestionably, a fact that this was a military ops special ops operation of planting perhaps nanothermites or other exothermic explosives in the basement and setting that place off with all sorts of different varied uh, explosive devices so that the true nature of the explosion would be most difficult to perceive. And, of course, they used a PSYOPs program individual like Tim McVeigh because mm-hmm. they're a dupe just like Lee Harvey Oswald or the fellow mm-hmm. down in Tucson shooter or Sirhan Sirhan. They're all PSYOPs manipulated, hypnotized or hypnotic programmed or PSYOPs programmed individuals who are convenient dupes to hang it on so they can try to have plausible deniability for the government's true underlying responsibility for these egregious acts against the American people. You are entirely correct, Chris, and I'm glad for your inputs, and I agree with you that... I was not, I am from Oklahoma, but I was not in the city when the bombing occurred, and I, I watched many of the developments from afar, but it drew me back in, and, and I have been tied to it ever since, simply because this is my hometown, and they bombed a building, they killed 168 of my fellow Oklahomans, and they're lying about it, and I endeavored with other people, James Lane, uh, Austin Green, Wendy Painting, and the other people involved with the movie, to tell this story once and for all. I thank you for that observation, Chris. And uh, you're entirely correct that the Oklahoma City bombing was not just a mundane exercise in disposing of evidence. It was the inauguration of this country into the new age of terror, the uh, preview, perhaps, to 9-11, and the new age that we live in now where apparently terrorism is a concern we must live with every day. I'll continue that on the other side. You're listening to the Corbett Report. I am guest hosting. I'm Holland Vandenunoff. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. 
Welcome back to the Corbett Report on the Republic of Broadcasting Network. I am not James Corbett. I'm Holland Vandenonoff, guest hosting uh, for James, and I thank him once again. And we have a number of callers, and this is our longest segment before the end, so I'm going to get to all of you. Uh, Bill from Idaho. Bill, do you have a topic, a question, or something you'd like to discuss? Well, yes. Good evening, and thanks so much uh, for standing in. Done a wonderful job. Appreciate Thank your you. efforts for the Republic. Just wanted to mention that, uh, you know, the uh, effort for a clean vote in this country is uh, all but lost if there is not a uh, follow-through auditing, a very strict auditing of this uh, vote. I was one uh, during a period of time that uh, you uh, made this uh, movie about and it is excellent. I've heard interview after interview and a lot Thank of you. praise in regard to it. But I was one in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, that uh, took the city of St. Louis to uh, task in the federal district court by virtue of a uh, very shady and uh, dark dealings with the employees and the emergency service that refused to be un- un- unionized. Mm. And um, the police... The sheriff, the judiciary, as corrupt as they are now, even worse probably even now, uh, you know, were very successful at the time. The uh, uh, you know, Zionazi criminal element in this country is just absolutely overpowering and very interesting that uh, you would choose this time to bring this movie out. I took him to task by virtue of the fact that uh, uh, 12 people, federal grants director, uh, uh, director of emergency services, uh, uh, penal colony at all, as well as a lot of ambulance equipment, as well as helicopter contracts, were frauded by uh, uh, a, a mixed marriage with uh, Motorola, a non, a no bid contract for Motorola when Motorola wasn't Motorola, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> and there was a. Millions upon millions, hundreds of millions of dollars that was missing. And I took him to task by virtue of attempting to get to the bottom of the Motorola contract. The issue was that the city of St. Louis police couldn't co- communicate with the fire. The fire couldn't communicate with the police. Mm. And obviously the parallels of 9-11-1 and 9-11-2 <clears throat> still remain the same because the issue hasn't been resolved any more than what happened to the records in the Murrow building. Yeah, they're not concerned with with really helping out first responders and their communications. They, they don't care about that at all because these events are contrived. Go ahead. Well, considering that they are contrived, that these first responders who, you know, in our area here are very well uh, reason to... Uh, uh, turn a blind eye and refuse to listen and refuse to explore and even become informed as to how exposed they are as first responders, cannon fodder in the military. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I've dealt with a lot of first responders in in, in investigating the Oklahoma City bombing, and and a lot of them, you know, they joined a paramilitary organization, either the police or even the fire department. Some extent, the EMS, they, they're used to following orders, doing what they're told. And when ordinary people are thrust into extraordinary circumstances, and when that they find that the government is lying about these extraordinary circumstances, 
they tend to revert to what is most comfortable. This is psychology. And if they're given an out, if they're given a cover story, if they're given something they can say to, to, to not think about those things anymore, they will because they're used to following orders. They, they are already in, involved in this structure. They have and a career invested. A lot of people, I have had lots of off-the-records conversations with first responders who told me a lot of really <sighs> disturbing things that I cannot relate because they're unwilling to go on the record until they're retired. But the thing is, as time goes on, these stories will be revealed and the truth will come out because eventually, even in the, in the system we live under, even federal agents are willing to talk once they're off the clock, once no, once they no longer have to worry about their career or about their promotion. So it's very good that you're reaching out to the first responders. At least you're planting a seed. So if something does occur, perhaps they'll have enough fortitude to deal with it. Well, the psychopathy of the uh, cognitive dissidents within the community, once part of the company, always part of the company, goes top to bottom. Mm -hmm. We had a, uh, a sheriff's runoff, you know, a uh, you know election here most recently to determine who is going to be uh, uh, running as sheriff in this county. And the gentleman's uh, uh, comment during one of the debates was that he, being uh, you know leadership of the largest paramilitary organization in this valley, would uh, have law and order. My concern being that, obviously, his underlings, any more than his uh, fellow church members, have not read uh, Solzhenitsyn, the Jew in Russia. Exactly. And it might be very well worthwhile for them to uh, read the history so they don't have to relive it. Bless exactly. you. And hopefully you would get with John Statmiller. Please get with John Statmiller. There's mm -hmm. a two-hour slot on Sundays that needs to be filled with some real information. I think we have a placeholder and a gatekeeper that's doing a very good job of making sure nobody gets a full picture. I'll talk to you soon. Bless you, and thanks so very much. Well, thank you, Bill, and maybe I'll look into that. Um, I am expanding um, my, uh, my radio presence, as it is, so that's maybe a venue I can pursue. But uh, we have a couple more callers I really want to get to. Uh, we have a Lark from Texas. Lark, do you have a question or comment or topic you'd like to discuss? Well, I do indeed. Hello there, Holland. Hello, Lark. You know, uh, just a uh, couple of points. Uh, I wonder if you would uh, expound upon them, and uh, perhaps as, especially as they may or may not be covered in the film. Okay. I, I'm really interested in these religio-philosophical connections, particularly mm -hmm. with the people in... Uh, the Lowen City, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, Christian identity folks, mm -hmm. uh, the the, the uh, s uh, similar threads, of course, with uh, Waco, but also the uh, uh, reported uh, connections with people connected to uh, SPLC. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. I'm curious how much you really delved into the truly religio-philosophical connections and what motivations might be behind uh, uh, basing this uh, psy operation from Aloham City, mm -hmm. based, upon, based upon its history and so forth. And finally, do you think there's anything to the rumors about uh, 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 McVeigh 
probably not actually ex- executed, but sent into, for instance, the witness protection program. Mm-hmm. These slightly are all off, slightly off the wall. The final aspect, but the religious uh, philosophical threads. I wonder if you actually uh, okay. met with people that were connected religiously to either political Zionist. I did, as well as their feelings mm-hmm. about uh, Christian identity folks. Yes, I did. Uh, that's an excellent question. I thank you for asking that, Lark. Um, that's one of the deeper questions we couldn't get into in the, in the movie Inobelai, and I will answer that question now. That's uh, It's very fascinating. We did uh, interview many people who were involved with the radical patriot right in the mid to early 90s, whom McVeigh was hanging out with, whom McVeigh was approaching to engage in various nefarious activities. I found that most of these people had turned away from the racial politics of the mid-90s that they had been lulled into. And that a lot of them had turned to radicalism as a kind of a reaction. You see this in effect. You see this action-reaction. You see the synthesis. It's Hegelian, Hegelian dialectic. And you saw a lot of people react to federal... um, federal law enforcement abuses in the early part of the 90s, which were really gaining a lot of steam for good reason, because massive human rights were violated at Ruby Ridge and at Waco. We have yet, no one has yet to pay fully the price for the innocent lives lost in those days, the people responsible in federal law enforcement. And I talked to many of these people, interviewed them, chased them across the Southwest, across Oklahoma, Kansas, all over this country. And what they discovered is that once they entered the radical right is that most of the people who are advocating violence against innocence were themselves federal informants. And this is confirmed by the work of J.M. Berger, who just recently released an article on, on Operation PatCon, Patriot Conspiracy, an FBI undercover operation to infiltrate every a supposed patriots group in this country and implicate them in firearms and explosives felonies. And what we what they discovered in PACCON was, frankly, that most people who were involved in the radical movement were not interested in action. They talked a lot, but they were not interested in action. So they actually took it to the next level and they started inciting violence, using their agent provocateurs, and their informants to talk these people into committing federal felonies for which they could be prosecuted for. Elohim City, we mentioned it in, in, in A Noble Lie very briefly, it deserves more attention, but it is a, a neo-Nazi community in eastern Oklahoma affiliated with Aryan nations and, and Christian identity. We went there, we interviewed people there, and it turned out that Elohim City itself was an FBI operation. The founder and leader, Robert Millar, was making $400 a month, according to the FBI's own documents, as an FBI informant. Would that be the son? Or the, that would be the son, right? The, uh, uh, the founder? No, I'm sorry. Uh, the old man. The old man was uh-huh. an informant. The old I man see. was definitely an informant. That's confirmed by paper. I don't know about the son and uh, the nephew, who is now their um, spokesman. I don't know and haven't seen the paper 
that if they were informants. But I've talked to them, and they well, were Strat reading. Strasmeyer was clearly an informant, was he not? Strasmeyer was an informant. That's confirmed through multiple sources, confirmed by the Southern Poverty Law Center, it's confirmed by the FBI's own documents, it's confirmed by a CIA inspector general who is reviewing communications between the FBI and foreign governments that Andy Strasmeyer was listed in the early 1990s as a federal informant providing information to the government. That is confirmed. He was an informant. And he has alluded to this himself. He has basically admitted to it himself in an interview uh, with WorldNet Daily. Um, actually with uh, Ambrose uh, uh, Pritchard in his book, The Secret Life of Bill Clinton. He actually basically admitted to being an informant. He just did not know that the Oklahoma City bombing was going to be the end result of his work. And Andy, uh, That's typical. They car the the uh, uh, CIA and FBI, when they run these kind of operations in conjunction with uh, Zionist interests, uh, will compartmentalize these things so as to... Uh, uh, totally. Uh, inductive reasoning uh, processes into the mix. Everyone's on a need-to-know basis. It's just strictly mm -hmm. a military operation. But yeah, this is the method of cover-up, and you, that, that's a very good point. Is It's not that every agent on the scene is covering up the fact that the Oklahoma City bombing was a false flag operation. No. They were told, and the method of execution was a sting operation. That is how they got the assets in place. That's how they got the agents to perform their duties. That they were told and they were thought they were working on a sting operation. They thought that they had wired the building with explosives to, to detonate at 3 o'clock in the morning the previous night. The night, the morning of April 19th, 3 a.m., they thought the building was going to blow up. It didn't. The, trick, the truck did not show up. They went into panic mode. And they lost track of their assets, which had been hijacked by the deeper police state, the deeper agenda at work. They took this existing sting operation, which arose out of PatCon, which was going to be a sting operation to justify federal excesses by blowing up a federal building in the middle of the night in Oklahoma City and showing how dangerous these threats are and why the FBI and the ATF have to act the way they do. That's what they thought they were working on. That's what the police officers were told. Even the local police officers were told this. And well, of course, I think the end game is uh, disarmament of the American people. Of course, of course. And then the truck shows up at 9 o'clock, kills 168 people. And everyone involved, they now have their fingers in it in, in a mass atrocity. And now it's in CYA mode, cover your ass. Now they're just simply covering their own participation in what they believe and what they're told and briefed is a massive foul-up of an existing operation, but it's not. You see this in every deep state operation. With 7-7, the concurrent um, security operations, as reported by, by the BBC, with 9-11, the dozens of uh, military and intelligence operations that were simulating the real event, they always are in place. This is the method of execution and the method of cover-up, and also provides a limited hangout if someone gets too close to the truth. They've used this time and time again. But now that we're talking about it and we know it, it won't work anymore, and that is the hope. I thank you, Lark. That was an excellent question. Let me get to my other caller, uh, Chris from California. Chris, I hope you're still on the line. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just have an interesting little uh, anecdotal story to tell about what happened today at me uh, with me at ca at a uh, Catholic church. Okay. And it relates to uh, law enforcement. Uh, I went to go and see a priest friend of mine that I've known for about mm, over ten years. Um, 
and I drove over there around 1 o'clock in the afternoon. This is in California. Okay. And there's a police squad car sitting on the side of the street just waiting. I don't know what they're doing. They seem to be just kind Do of... Do you mind telling me what uh, city, what major city nearby? Or um, Yeah, this is um, uh, this is in L.A. Okay, uh, By um, I don't know if you know uh, the South Bay area, like Redondo. No, no, I'm just, I'm just looking at the department. Go ahead, though. And anyways, they're just sitting out there, this uh, police couple to this pair of police um, um, officers were there, and they seemed to be chatting with each other, but they weren't doing anything. Um, so I kind of ignored it um, because I didn't know what was going on. There didn't seem to be anything going on. Tell you what, Chris, if you can please hold on to the other side. I will. I'll wait, I'll wait this. over okay. We're going to break now. You're listening to the Corporate Reports. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Thank you for tuning in. Back to the Corbett Reports. I am Holland Vandenonoff, guest hosting for this final segment. We have Chris on the line. Chris, we have about four minutes till the end of the show. Uh, uh, please uh, conclude your story, and I'll try to respond. I have just a couple more things to say before the end, but go ahead. Okay, I'll just try to make it as quick as possible, but I think it's kind of an important story, and it's something to look out for. Uh, at any rate, um, it was at the, it was kind of at the rectory office of the, at the uh, Catholic Church, and I buzzed into the office and I asked for, um, uh, Father Michael, the name of, uh, the priest that I'm friends with. And, um, so, and at, not too long after, the police came in, and they, I think they were kind of waiting for someone to come in after me because they, I don't think they really had a reason to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, because there wasn't any crime going on. And anyways, um, being the observant person that I am, I was just listening to their conversation, and the police officers were inquiring about their camera system in the church. They said, how many mm-hmm. cameras do you have outside of the church? Mm-hmm. And the person that was working, uh, like he's like the manager, I guess, of the office. I don't know who exactly who he is. He says, well, there's about four or five um and um, they asked, okay, do you have any cameras on the inside of the church? And they said, and the guy says, no, we don't have any on the inside of the church. And then the police officer, um, the lady police officer, she says, well, uh, um, or the, the manager says, well, uh, there was a break-in recently, and uh, is this have, does this have anything to do with that? And they said, oh, no, 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 it has nothing to do with any um, previous activity. We just So are they know. trying to encourage the church to basically surveil their entire premises? Right. So basically, to conclude, the, the police officer was saying they requested um, uh, this, church, this church manager, this office manager, may we monitor your church? Would you think it's okay for us to monitor the inside of your church? Wow. And... and the manager said, sure, uh, I don't see why not. That's what he said. Well, he's uninformed and uneducated, obviously. And uh... and, and, and the, thing is, uh, the thing is, I don't know, this has to be going on elsewhere because I don't think this is an isolated incident. 
It probably can't be. not. It's probably a federal program. I'm, I'm going to have to to cut you off there just because we have only a few. Go minutes. ahead, yeah, go ahead so, and comment. But take that it is a very here. good point. Is is probably um, a federal program to ensure as much coverage as possible. I'm sure there's a lot of money, Homeland Security money at work to make sure that uh, even these sanctuaries, which uh, Catholic churches historically have served as in times of uh, distress, have served as places of sanctuary, are now surveilled by cameras that the police state can access. So I have no doubt that this is part of that program, and it definitely deserves some following up. Now, one more thing I'd like to announce before I uh, have to get out of here is that this Sunday... In Oklahoma City, Richard Gage of Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth is coming to a, and going to providing a screening of their new documentary. They have had their, their presentation on the truth of 9-11 from an architectural and scientific standpoint for a number of years now, but then they now have a documentary. And Richard Gage is taking it on tour. It'll be here in Oklahoma City Sunday, this Sunday, June 3rd, 4 to 6.30 p.m. at SOST in the Paseo in Oklahoma City, which is a local landmark. If you're in Oklahoma, just ask for Sost in the Paseo. You'll be able to find the place. And uh, Richard Gage will be presenting in person his documentary on the anomalous evidence with 9-11. And, of course, this is something we cannot forget and must emphasize and must continue to fight for the truth on is 9-11 because unless we find the people responsible accountable it will continue and just get worse and we will suffer the horrific consequences of the agenda at work so thank you audience thank you chris for california for being so observant of what is going on in your community audience pay attention to what's going on in your community 